0: Hello, I'm Monty Schinkel of Take Heart Ministries. We're so thankful to have this opportunity to preach the gospel and to continue to tell people that they can take heart because Jesus cares for them. A part of what we're doing is a weekly podcast. We'll focus upon different passages of Scripture and heroes from the Bible. This week, we're going to be looking at Elijah. In fact, over these next several weeks, we're going to be talking about the days of Elijah. Elijah lived during a difficult time in the land of Israel, as we live in a difficult time today. And yet through it all, he stayed strong in the Lord, and he brought God's faithful message to the people of Israel that they could take heart, because they had a God who was strong and mighty against all the gods that Ahab and Jezebel and anyone else would bring up. Elijah's God prevailed. And on Mount Carmel, and down in the valley, and off in the desert, until the Lord took him to heaven, God was with him. And these are the days of Elijah. Take your Bible and turn with me if you would to 1 Kings chapter 17. 1 Kings chapter 17, over the last two weeks, we've talked about the condition of Israel during the days of King Ahab, during the days of Elijah. And we've tried to draw a parallel between what was going on in Israel in those days and what's going on in our country today in the United States, and so, um, this trio, I don't know that they have a name that just sang. They just sang, You Are My Hiding Place. And of course, some of you have read Corey ten Boom's book, The Hiding Place. And so it's kind of strange when I begin to look at 1 Kings chapter 17, which is a chapter with a whole lot of activity, a lot of action, that that activity and action, most of it is not taking place in the limelight. It's taking place in a hiding place. Because 1 Kings chapter 17 opens up with uh, Elijah standing before Ahab and saying, it's not going to rain anymore on the land of Israel except by my word. When I say so, when God tells me to say so, then it will begin to rain. But no more rain. We're turning off the faucet. It's all over. Uh, You're talking about drought in California. You haven't seen anything. As such when God shuts down the rain on a whole nation. And that's what he said. And then immediately after that, uh, the Bible tells us that God said to Elijah, You go hide yourself. Now, that's a strange thing for a prophet to have to do. And he said, I want you to go hide yourself. First Kings chapter seventeen. And then in First Kings chapter eighteen, he says, Now, after these three and a half years passes, he says, I want you to go show yourself. So Two very direct commands, hide thyself and show thyself. It's not all that unusual for a prophet of God to be a loner. Some of the best preachers, some of the greatest preachers that I've ever known have been men that were not great socialites. They weren't always hanging out with the crowd. They were very comfortable just being alone. And so, even in God's Word, you have uh, men like Amos, a great prophet. But Amos, the Bible tells us, was a gatherer of sycamore fruit, I don't know how long it'd take you to get a bushel basket full of sycamore fruit, but he was a gatherer of sycamore fruit. He was a prophet. Um, Vance Havner called him the troubler of, from Tekoa. And we don't know much about Amos, but he was a man that just often was by himself. Of course, the classic example in the New Testament would have been John the Baptist. And John the Baptist was a man that was often by himself. And when God saved the apostle Paul, the first thing that God did to Paul was send him off to Arabia. So he would be there a period of time by himself, getting prepared for what is yet to come. And even in the life of our Lord, we've got the classic example of one who was often with people, but he spent, I think, far more time by himself or with just a few people than than he was in the limelight with a whole lot of people. The the demands on our Lord were constant. People were always pressing him for help and aid and come and give us this lesson, give us these answers, heal my my mother, heal my son, my child child and there were always demands on the Lord but the Bible tells us there were times when he just withdrew himself well in the case of Elijah God has a great task ahead for him and what he says to Elijah is I want you to go off by yourself and hide yourself he was a miracle worker but Elijah never depended upon his miracles he depended upon God and he depended upon God to take care of him And so, I want you to look with me this morning in 1 Kings chapter 17. We'll read not the whole chapter, but several verses. And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Cherith that is before Jordan. And it shall be that they shall that, that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. Underline that word there, that's really an important word, there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord, for he went and dwelt by the brook of Cherith, that is before Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning, and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook before there ever was such a thing as carry out. Elijah knew about it. It might have been carry on, uh, carrying, but he knew about it, uh, and so he w- it was delivered. I mean, they, you know, he called pizza up, it showed up. No, not quite. And it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up, because there had been no rain in the land. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell, here's that word again, There, you see, God's very specific in his instructions. He said to Elijah, "He said, I want you to go there. I want you to go to Cherith, and there you'll be there, and you'll be by that brook, and you're going to be taken care of. You just go to go there, and then after the brook dried up, then he says, I want you to go to Zarephath, because here's what he says: I have commanded a widow woman again. This word there to sustain thee. In other words, you're not going to have your needs met if you're not in the center of my will." You've got to go where I tell you to go, Elijah. You've got to be where I want you to be, Elijah. So he rose and went to Zarephath. And when he came into the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks. And he called to her and he said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water from a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake." but a handful of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise, in a vessel. And behold, I am gathering two sticks, that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me therefore a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and after after make for thee and for thy son... For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the crews of oil fail, until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he and her house did eat many days, and the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the crews of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord which he spoke by Elijah." Now God had a big responsibility for Elijah, And he said, you're going to stand before Ahab again. You're going to turn water on again. You've got a lot to do. But for right now, the best place for you to be is a place where you're going to be safe. You don't think really of this mighty man of God, this bold prophet of God that goes and hides. You say, well, this is not a time to be hiding. There are times when it's time to hide. There's times when it's time to steal away and be with the Lord and just you and the Lord. And so he says, go to Cherith. When we've been to Israel, we stood on Megiddo. We look out over this valley, the Valley of Jezreel, also the valley called the Valley of Armageddon. There's this little brook, this little stream that runs through there. That is Cherith. That's not all that far from Mount Carmel. That is the place where Elijah went. And God met his needs until the water there dried up. And then God says, I want you to go clear over here to the coast on the west side of Israel. I want you to go to the area of Sidon. And I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. And you're going to need this, Elijah, because trouble is coming to the land. There's going to be a drought, and you're going to get blamed. You're going to get blamed for what you said when you said the water's not going to fall anymore, and you're going to get blamed for all of the troubles in Israel. Everything that's wrong in this land, because you're a follower of the one true God, you're going to get blamed for it. You're the guy that opened your mouth and prophesied. You're the guy that was obedient to me. But as far as Ahab is concerned, as far as Jezebel is concerned, as far as everybody else in the land is concerned, if we could just get hold of Elijah right now, we'd get water out of him. And so Jezebel will want to kill you. Your neighbors won't understand. They'll say that you're unreasonable. You're going to know what it is to be lonely, and you're going to be all right. Yeah, you know, I think that's a word that God's been speaking to me lately. There's only one group of people in this country, really only one group of people in this whole world is going to be all right, and that's us. If I didn't know the Lord, I'd be in great fear and distress. You say, well, Brother Monty, hard times are coming to America. Yeah, hard times are coming to America. I believe in that. You say, you think the church is going to know some persecution. We really haven't known any persecution in America. If persecution comes, it may turn out to be a good thing for the church. But the Word of God continues to say, because you want to mine, and because I never leave you nor forsake you, and because you can't put your trust in Washington, D.C., or you can't put your trust in Jefferson City, but you can put your trust in me because I am your hiding place, and I'll say this to you, Monty, you will be all right. You say, well, what if the day comes in our country that we cannot gather to worship? Or what if the day comes when we actually lose our life because we're followers of Jesus Christ and the Word still comes to us, you will be all right. Folks, if we believe the Word, we know that God's Word says we'll be all right. Trouble comes in the life of Elijah. Folks, this is what happens when you you take a stand that is unpopular. Elijah did that. This is what happens when you speak words that are unpopular. Elijah did that; he said that. This is what happens when the God you serve is unpopular, and Elijah's God, the Jehovah God of Israel, had become unpopular in the land. The Lord God of Israel had become unpopular in Israel. But our God, who may uh, who may not fare so high in the opinion polls, he's not affected by the polls. He's not worried about his popularity or unpopularity. What he is worried about is his glory. And our God, who's not controlled by, uh, by poles or affected by poles, said, you don't know, Elijah. There's still a hundred prophets that are away in the caves that have been hidden away. Now, you go hide yourself. You don't know Elijah, but I've got 7,000 that have never bowed a knee to worship Baal or to bow before Ahab. You didn't know that, Elijah. And so, you know, God has 100 prophets. God has 7,000 that have not bowed a knee. And God also has Elijah. And his word to Elijah is, you'll be all right. And God is saying to us, you'll be all right. This is not the same as saying happy days are here again. It doesn't mean you don't get hungry or thirsty. It doesn't mean when you take a stand and you speak the Word of God and you tell somebody the truth that they will understand it and they'll turn against you. It doesn't mean any of those things, but just simply saying, if you were yourself, folks, listen to me this morning. If we as a body of Christ and believers in Christ, if we will see that we are there in the center of God's will, that's the only place we have to be. He'd say, this thing of being a Christian is a complicated thing. No, it's not. God has given you a very simple task. God's given me a very simple task. All I have to do is be there. Haven't you ever heard 90% of life is showing up? That's 90% of success is just showing up. This is the time for Christians to show up all across our country. And so you say, where do we go? Well, we just have to be there. I think about Vance Havner preached a sermon. This old preacher, he preached a sermon on being there. Being, are you there was the question. And Charles Haddon Spurgeon made this statement. He said, let, me, let us draw from this inference that come what may, God's people are safe. If the world is to be burned by fire, among the ashes there shall be found the relics, relics of a saint. If the world shall again be drowned with water and it shall not, yet would there be found another ark for God's Noah. Let convulsions shake the solid earth, let all the pillars tremble, let the skies themselves be torn in twain, yet amid the wreck of worlds, the believer shall be as secure as in the calmest hour of rest. If God cannot save His people, under heaven he will save them then in heaven and heaven shall be the place of their reception and safety stay yourself upon this promise rest you in his faithfulness bid defiance to the blackest future for there is nothing in it direful for you i'm not sure we believe in that He says, Spurgeon says, there is nothing in it direful for you. You say, the world is in a terrible condition, and it is. I'm saying to you, there's never been a better opportunity for the advancement of the cause of Christ than today, and there's never been a better day to be a follower of Jesus Christ than right now. It's just simply staying in God's will. And so, if God sends you to Cherith, then go to Cherith. If God sends you to Zarephath, then He's already prepared a widow woman there to sustain thee. You just be faithful to God. Listen, folks, you just be faithful to God. You'll be all right. That's what He asked. There was a place of God's purpose. God said to Elijah, you go to Cherith. And I've commanded the ravens to feed thee there. This was God's will for Elijah's life at that time. Sometimes we're very active and sometimes we're out front. Sometimes we're proclaiming the word of God. And sometimes we want everybody to hear what we have to say. And then there are other times when God just says the best thing for you to do is go get away. You need to be by yourself. You need to go somewhere. Actually, I'm going to hide you because this is where my servant needs to be. If Ahab finds you or Jezebel finds you, they're going to kill you. But right now, where you need to be is in a place where it's just me and you and the ravens. I'm going to take care of you because you're in the center of my will, because you're trusting in me. And I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. I I read that passage of Scripture, and this is what I also know, that Elijah... As as all of Israel is drying up, Elijah's brook is also drying up. You see, when a nation suffers, the people in that nation suffer. Everybody suffers. When Jeremiah was carted off to Babylon, what did he say to the people? He said, "You you need to pray for the prosperity of this city. You may not like this city, you may not like what it stands for, nor the direction that it's going, but you're right here, you pray for the peace and the prosperity of this city because this is where I put you. You say, do we still pray for a nation that we feel like has turned away from God? Absolutely, we still pray for a nation. We call out to God for it. We call out to God for the advancement of the gospel. God has put you here, folks. This is an exciting season to be living in. Hello, this is Monty Schenkel, and we sure appreciate you listening to this podcast. This is a new effort on our part from Take Heart Ministry. A little over a year ago, we began Take Heart Ministry with the intention of telling people by means of radio and also the internet, and now by podcasts, that they can take heart because Jesus cares for them. If you'd like to know more about us, if you'd like to check our ministry out, you can go to takeheart.org. If you would like to personally contact me, you can write to Moni Schenkel or you can write to mschenkel at takeheart.org. Thank you for listening and now back to the podcast. I've been preaching about this all my life. Uh, I've been saying all my life, Jesus is going to come. And I guess my dad said all his life, Jesus is going to come. My granddad said all his life, Jesus is going to come. And my great granddad, all his life, Jesus is going to come. One of my kids called me the other night and said, you need to go outside. Have you looked at those stars, the lineup? They say the lineup on those stars. It hadn't been that way since Jesus Christ was born. And uh, so this is looking back to ancient history. Isn't it strange that it's, that it's happening? And I looked at it, and I saw all that, and I said, I hope so. You say, Brother mind, do you really believe that even so come Lord Jesus thing? And I look at everything that is happening in this world, folks. I'm saying we're going to be all right. But if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're not going to be all right. God has us in this, in this uh, day, living in this season... For right now, that's why it is great to be a Christian. I've been preaching the gospel for 42 years and I've never felt better about the opportunity to stand and proclaim the word of God. You say, well, but they don't like what you stand for and they don't like what you say and they don't like your God, but my God is bigger than all of that and folks, we're going to put him to the test. What a privilege to live in a generation like this. But you say, well, there are a lot of things that are happening. Yeah, but I'm there. I'm in the middle of God's will. Are you in the middle of God's will? Then God says, I'm going to take care of you. You say, well, what if at some point being taken care of means God takes you home? I hope so. Isn't this what life is all about? We live our whole life. We come down to the end. The Lord takes us out of this place, either by the undertaker or the upper taker. But we go out one way or other. This is God's purpose for us in the days of Esther. She was really put to the test, and her cousin Mordecai said to her, Esther, who knows but what you've come to the kingdom for such a time as this. This is our time. God's put us here for such a time as this. We'll be all right. She came to a place where she said, if I perish, I perish. Still I'm going to follow after God. God has a purpose for where he put you right now. Now may it be a season of silence and solitude, but the same God that says "Hide thyself" is very soon going to say, "Show thyself." You're going to have to take a stand. There was a place of God's purpose. There was a place of God's provision. Not necessarily a place of comfort, with the ravens feeding him there, and all across Israel as they're trying to find pasture to feed their livestock and all the streams are drying up think about what would happen if god turned off the water for three and a half years he's done it before he could do it again and so what happened in israel was hard times hard times came hard times will come and i think hard times are ahead for our nation But I also believe that we as believers will suffer right along with our nation. We will. And you say, well, don't you believe in the rapture of the church that God's going to get us out of tribulation? I do believe in the rapture of the church. I also believe there's going to be a great deal of tribulation before the great tribulation. I think there's going to be suffering in this nation. So Cherith dries up and he heads toward the Mediterranean. There's a woman there that is a Gentile woman. She's not even Jewish. She's a widow woman. She's already known a lot of grief in her life. She's buried a husband. Now she's got this little boy to take care of. And then one day God commands her, and the Bible says this in verse 9, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongeth to Sidon, and dwell there. I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. And so, this woman has not got enough to feed herself and her child. And all of a sudden, God says, I want you, I'm sending you a preacher, and you're going to feed him. And she didn't have the idea of how that was going to happen. And so, Elijah says, Get me something to drink. I wonder about that. Where does she find him something to drink? And then he says, I'd like to have something to eat. And and she says, well, what I'm doing is I'm gathering some sticks, and I'm going to go build a fire, and this little bit of meal, this little bit of oil I've got, I'm going to make a cake, and my son and I, we're going to eat it. This is going to be our last supper. We're going to die. What faith this woman had when Elijah said, okay. And it it seems selfish when you read the text. Elijah said, well, but but really, you see, it's a test. And Elijah said to her, well, then you, you make it for me first. You feed me first. Your faith is on display here. Now, the Bible tells us that she fed him, and the barrel didn't go dry. There was always a handful. You know what I want from God all the time? I want God, fill the barrel, God, fill the barrel. I want a barrel full. The Bible never promises us a barrel full. It promises us a handful. That's all she had. And so I think it was the same test until the drought was over. It was the same test day after day after day. She just simply obeyed the Lord. We see Elijah's obedience, yes, but we see her obedience, and we never even know who this woman is. We just know she's a widow in Zarephath. And then her obedience and Elijah's obedience would ultimately mean the deliverance not only of her by being fed every day, but also of a day when her son would die, and God would use Elijah to bring him back to life. You see, there was a place of God's purpose, and there was a place of God's provision, and there was a place of God's protection. The storm howled above him. If my sister and I were going to sing this morning, we'd have sung till the storm passed by. Because the songwriter, uh, Mosey Lister, uh, said, in the dark of the midnight have I oft hid my face while the storm howls above me and there's no hiding place. Amidst the crash of the thunder, precious Lord, hear my cry. Keep me safe till the storm passes by. Well, that's what God did for Elijah. That's what God has done for saints, many saints down through the years. God provided for him, but God also protected him. And protection did not mean that uh, God would... Uh, keep him from troubles or trials and ease. That doesn't what it. That's not what it meant. It didn't mean he'd have an easy path. God just kept him safe in the midst of the storm. And at just the right moment, God set him aside. At just the right way that God cared for him. And He demanded faith. Where is your faith today? Don't you believe that the God who cared for Elijah? is surely going to care for you. I'm talking about every one of you individually today. You say, well, you know, this is all good enough for Elijah and this widow at Zarephath, but do you mean to tell me, Brother Monty, God really cares for me? I mean to tell you that God really cares for you. In the midst of that storm, while the storm howls above you, even if you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and we will all do that, even there, He is with us. God loves His people. He loves His bride. He loves the church. Folks, the church is not going down. The church is not going to end There's not a day that's been marked on the calendar that says there'll be no more church in America or in the world. We understand what we're going through here, but we also look at, the, at what's going on around the world, and you say there's persecution, and people are losing their lives, and it has been that way. We've been in a period of ease right here, and our ease has made us so easy that we haven't even been aware of what's going on in our world. Now we're being shaken. Now we're being put to the test. When somebody asks you to give a reason for your belief, give you a reason, give a reason of why you believe what you believe, and you begin to explain your faith, and they say, well, I don't believe that. And there's a letter, you know, there are letters to the editor, and there are things that show up in the paper. Some of y'all write them. There are letters to the editor, and things show up in the paper that just decry Christianity. And they want to say, basically, what are they saying? Where is your God? I'm just as moral as anyone else. I'm just as good as anyone else. I've got this all figured out myself. I don't need God, and I don't need your fuddy-duddy religion. And that's kind of what a lot of people are saying. But I'm telling you, folks, that no matter what happens in this nation, we're going to be all right. I'm not sure I'm getting through to you. You say, but what if it's not as popular as it once was? What if some of our freedoms are infringed upon? I'm saying that I belong to the King of kings and Lord of lords. The direction he takes is not determined by elections. It's not governed by the Supreme Court. The the direction my God takes is to watch over me and care for me, even if it means heaven, and hopefully, absolutely, yes, it means heaven. You see, my God has a purpose for my life if I'm there. And God has provision for my life if I'm there. And God has protection for my life if I'm there. And there was the place of God's preparation. All this time in Cherith and Zarephath is not wasted time. A difficult time was ahead, but God had prepared His prophet. You say, well, God... should have given me a bigger opportunity and things should have gone better. Yet the Word of God tells us, as in the case of Simon Peter, he said, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. He will exalt you in due time. Sometimes it's not due time. Paul reminded us as he wrote wrote the letter to the church of Galatia. He said, in due season you will reap if you faint not. Be steady, folks. This is a time of preparation. At the outset, look, look at it this way. If Elijah just showed up on the scene, and, and he did, because he just comes in out of the desert, nobody knew who Elijah was. And so he just shows up on the scene, and he says to Ahab, it's not going to rain except by my word. What do you think that they thought of Elijah? They thought he's a nut. Nobody believed what he said. Somebody shows up and says, It's not gonna rain except I say so. The same response we would give a person today that would say that is the very same response they gave Elijah. Do you remember what was the guy's name that said there's gonna be an earthquake? That's gonna tear Sykeston all to pieces. What was that? That was back in 1980. Yeah. I went and bought earthquake insurance. How many of you did? You see, I never had earthquake insurance in my life. And people say, well, that guy doesn't know what he's talking about. He's just a nut. Well, yeah, but I knew that sooner or later something's going to shake. Elvis was dead, but there's still going to be a whole lot of shaking going on. It's going to happen sooner or later. And so we lived in a brick house, and I bought earthquake insurance that year. Now you say, well, nothing happened, Brother Monty. It didn't happen. Well, sooner or later there's going to be an earthquake. Now here's Elijah shows up on the scene, and they, can, they consider him to be a quack, just like a lot of people did that doctor, what's his name? They thought he was a quack. I bought the earthquake insurance. He was a quack, but I bought the earthquake insurance. And so Elijah shows up, and he says, it's not going to rain. And people say, well, okay, that's ridiculous. Of course, it's never done this. You're saying there's not even going to be any dew, no dew, nor rain. It's going to be dry, and a week passes, and it's pretty dry, and people are laying out in the sun, and they're just rejoicing. And then a month passes and no rain. You know a month, a month in Missouri, uh, and grass begins to wither, and there's cracks in the ground, and you might be you would be all right, but then three months, then if it doesn't rain for three months, we're gathering together, and we're praying for rain, amen? And then six months, and then a year, and you know what they started doing? They started looking for Elijah. He is the guy that caused the trouble. Ahab even said, are you the one that troubles Israel? They started looking for him. A year passes. No wonder he has to hide. If they can get a hold of him, they're going to kill him. A year and a half passes. No rain, can you imagine? Two years, no rain. Yes, of course, the brooks dry up. The ponds, the lakes, the streams, all of that dries up. Two and a half years, three years, three and a half years. See, here's the thing. When hard times come, like they did in Israel, at the very beginning, they didn't want to hear the word of God. They didn't want to hear the word of Ahab, or they didn't want to hear the word of Elijah. They didn't care what Elijah said. They were not interested in Elijah. God had to prepare the prophet. Yes, he prepared the prophet, but the people had to be prepared to listen to the prophet. So when hard times come and difficulties come, and if they come in our country, and I believe they are going to come, when those things come, those people, the people who have not had any desire to hear the Word of God, God's going to prepare their hearts to where they're going to want to hear the Word of God. God's going to have to prepare the prophets to stand and preach the Word of God, but God's going to have to prepare a nation before we can have a revival in this country and a moving of God, as in the days of Elijah, God's going to have to get the people ready to listen. America today is not ready to listen to God, but God's going to get it ready. What I feel down in my heart is that God's going to get it ready. Ready? government will not have the answer societies will society does not welcome us culture despises us we don't have a single place to go in this world where can we go but folks there is another world and our loyalty is where our citizenship is and our citizenship is in heaven again to quote spurgeon the staff on which you lean shall never break The arm on which you repose shall never be palsied. The eye that looks on you shall never be dim. The heart that loves you shall never grow weary. The hand that supplies you shall never be weak. Do you remember a time in your experience not long ago when you came to your wit's end and you said, I shall surely fall by the hand of the enemy? Did you fall? Are you still not preserved? Look back, I pray you. It is not many months ago that business was running so dead against you. You said, I must give it up. Ever since I've known the Lord, I've had more trials than I ever had before. Have you given it up? You've gone through fires. Let me ask you, have you been burned? Has there been a hair on your head singed? You've walked through the waters, and deep waters have been there. And have you been drowned? You said you would have, you but, but have you? Have the waters overflowed you? When all God's waves and God's billows have rolled over you, were you destroyed? Did they wash out your hope? Did your confidence give way? You've had high mountains in your path, and you've said, I can never traverse this road. The mountains are too steep, but have you not climbed them? And let me ask you, have you not been benefited by the climb? And so Spurgeon was saying 150 years ago, when you go through hard times, God will not abandon you. And I'll tell you the same thing this morning you'll be all right. We'll be all right. And That's to those of us that know Jesus. We'll be all right. But I'd be wrong this morning if I didn't give you a word that tells you I cannot give you those assurances that you'll be all right if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior. You see, if you don't know Jesus Christ, and troubles come, and trials come, and judgment comes, and you step out in this eternity someday not knowing Jesus Christ as your Savior, I can't say you'll be all right, because you won't be all right. This is the day of salvation. The promises of God's word that I'll take you to Cherith, and I'll take you to Zarephath, and I'll meet you there, and I'll provide for you there, and I'll watch over you. Those are the words that God gave to Elijah. Those are the words that God gives to us. But if you don't know Jesus Christ, those are not the words that God gives to you. Come to the Lord this morning. In a world that is shaking, I mean, just look at the news. Look at what's going on around you. Folks, there's something stirring. I believe this in all my heart. You say, well, it's gone on like this for years, Brother Monty, and it's just no difference. Something's going on, folks. Folks. This is the day to get things right with the Lord. If you don't know him, you need to come to him. And if you do know him, then you need to take this word of consolation. You'll be all right. You just be in the center of God's will. You do what God would have you to do. You're going to be all right. He's going to take us through. And it's exciting. It is a great day to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to this podcast today. Uh, We appreciate you tuning in. We pray that this has been a blessing to you. And I pray that today you in your own heart can take heart because you know Jesus Christ is your Savior. And Jesus came to be the Savior of all who would call upon him. And if today you've never trusted in him, I encourage you to say, Lord Jesus, come into my life, forgive me and save me. And God's word says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Our purpose in all of this is to encourage you to know Jesus, to love Jesus, to grow in Jesus, and to take heart in Jesus. He cares for you.